Welcome to episode four of the Grassroots Government Podcast. I guess this is 4.5 because I had a mistake just now and I decided to restart. You don't know that at home. All you know is that you're listening to this podcast. Joining me right now is Carl Wiggers, the co-host. Andy Brown, who's the National Affairs Coordinator for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, and Joe Mapes, the Legislative Specialist, better known as Lobbyist for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. And Joe, I want to get things started with you since you're walking around right now at your house. Um, I know on Tuesday, the Louisiana legislature has to get back together. What's going to happen then, Joe? Right, Avery. So as a reminder to everybody, we went in on March 9th, which was the official start day of the session, and uh, went for a couple of days, but then decided to uh, pass a resolution and suspend the session until, as Avery says, March 31st. Uh, the reason we we didn't pick that date arbitrarily, it wasn't uh, picked according to the uh, pattern of the virus or anything either. It was picked according to the Constitution of the state of Louisiana. We, by law, uh, have to get every bill read into the system. Every bill has to be filed and moved on to second reading uh, by the 31st. So that's why we're going back in on that day. Interesting, uh, interesting about that fact is that we don't have to have a quorum in either chamber to make these, uh, make these motions. And so we could have a skeleton crew, the speaker and a few in the House and the speaker and the, and the president and a few in the Senate and get our business done. Now, last week, uh, the House published a committee hearing schedule, which I thought was presumptuous, uh, but it, it, it listed almost it listed all the committee meetings on March 31st and June 1st, which was basically all the committee uh, committees that they have had meetings scheduled. Well, they just announced today that those have all been indefinitely postponed, and the likelihood of what we'll do when we come back in, guys, is we will come back in to do what I just said, move that piece of business on uh, according to the, the need to do so, and then also to extend the date. And right now the thinking is probably to the 13th since the governor's stay-at-home mandate uh, goes until April 12th. Joe, is there any reason now, to believe? That, that, that beyond that, it's going to be special. I was going to say, is there any reason to believe the governor might extend that uh, that time in which we're not supposed to gather into groups uh, of more than 10? Well, you know, that's the question, you know, will that happen when we get March 31st? Will that happen when we get to April 12th? And right now there's no talk of that. So uh, I think to, to talk of that, Avery, would be speculative at this point. It's all going to be based on the, the uh, what happens with uh, COVID-19. And so once... And by... it's okay. No, I was going to say, Go so ahead. once they do come back... Uh... What what do you think they'll actually get covered? I know we went over that a little bit on the last podcast, but has there been any change in the thinking of they'll just take care of the budget and that might be it this session? Again, I'm going to have to go back to my standard answer uh, to this question, which is it's going to depend on how much time that we're away from the process. If we're away, I would say, two weeks, maybe three weeks max, then we can go ahead and hold to the June 1st date of adjournment. If we go beyond, and, and that would be Avery handling budget bills and maybe a few other bills, but not of, of high profile issue like tort reform. I, I you know, the, the longer we wait uh, on, on this session to go back in, 
the more difficult it's going to be for an issue, a big issue, high profile issue like tort reform. So uh, to answer your question, I think we'll deal with the budget uh, and it's just going to depend on time as to what, what other issues we let into the process. Well, I know. Now we could go way. No, no, no. Go, go ahead, ahead, Joe. Go ahead. Got a little delay here. Go ahead. We, we, uh, we could go beyond uh, that as far as uh, what we're going to consider, as far as maybe not keeping it in the confines of this 85-day session. If we take too much time out of this, there would be measures that we could put in place, emergency measures to address this. But again, what you're talking about there in an emergency situation, you know we're going to be in a truncated situation. It's going to be much shorter, much more compressed. It's going to be kind of like, let's get in there and get out and get back to business. So again, I, I think big high profile issues for this, this year, Avery, could be in trouble. They could be in trouble as far as being considered. Well, while our legislature has been uh, in, in recess, has been uh, suspended, they've been really busy up there in Washington, D.C. Andy Brown, I know the, uh, the CARES Act finally got all the approval that it needs and is uh, now headed to President Trump's desk. Uh, what, what is in there for agriculture that's, that's important to our farmers and ranchers? Yeah, Avery, uh, we got a, a voice vote in the House today. We had a gentleman out of Kentucky that tried to uh, obstruct that and, and call everybody back into D.C. for a roll call vote. But thankfully, he was uh, overruled. They had a mad dash to get enough members on the floor to have a quorum and to have a voice vote. So that's just a little uh, detail into the, the final passage of this $2 trillion package that started in the Senate and came uh, forward. Uh, Andy, what's a voice vote? What do you, what do you mean by that? So it, it, rather than clicking on their desk, a clicker that's just uh, like you hear in a lot of meetings, Farm Bureau meetings across the state is all in favor, aye, and all opposed. And that, uh, as long as they had enough members present to, to do so procedurally, that's accepted. It could have just been by unanimous consent um, without this gentleman from Kentucky calling for a vote. Uh, but when he did, then they move forward in those procedures, but that was kind of anticipated, but getting back to what's coming from this, uh, the, there's a whole lot. It's hard. It's, it's not going to be something you can break down in a few sentences, but the key provisions that we're looking at are plus up of funds that are headed to USDA. There's a lot of agency funds that are coming obviously from $2 trillion. I mean, there's assistance for about every, industry you can think of. I'm sure there's some some snub somewhere that'll be disappointed that they were left out. But uh, from the USDA side, the main thing that we were pushing for and that American Farm Bureau was pushing for was to increase the funding in the commodity credit system, the CCC that MFPs have been coming from recently. Uh, that's historically been kind of the disaster fund that the uh, secretary can administer relatively easy out of. Um, it's an old long-time program that's pretty nimble uh, in in nature. So uh, that was the ask. They did replenish that fund to the tune of $14 billion. Uh, we were hoping to see more like 30. Um, but 
And there were even requests to go beyond that 30 billion level to 50 billion. But instead, we got 14 and a half for CCC replenishment. And then kind of the, the fund that everybody, I don't want to say is excited about because you don't get excited about disaster payments, but uh, that everybody's curious about is the, the $9 billion fund that is strictly to go, is going to go to farmers and ranchers across the nation to help directly with COVID-19 response. Now, I know that you've been working closely with uh, some of the crawfish farmers here in Louisiana. Tell me a little bit about what the the hopes are, because, you know, season is already limited. Their distribution is already limited. So what what could there possibly come out of the federal government for such a small industry? And that's ge- even geographically kind of small. Yeah, so what what came out of the Senate with this uh, $9 billion was that it was supposed to help uh, livestock industry, direct-to-consumer, farmer's market type um, folks that are, are in tough conditions because of the social restrictions and so forth. So really, crawfish checks all those boxes, and uh, being that crawfish is so uh, state specific to Louisiana or at least regionally specific but let's be honest we all know 99% of the crawfish production uh, that has any sort of commercial value is coming is coming out of our state so uh, a lot of other commodities have national groups the national corn growers or the uh, cattlemen's groups or whoever that that are helping develop uh, are going to work with USDA to talk about what this nine billion could look like for them or a slice of that pie rather. Um, and we got to thinking about it. And if Farm Bureau is not going to be there to, and our crawfish committee is not going to look into this, uh, this money for crawfish producers, nobody will. Well, Carl, I know did a little bit to, uh, to help out the crawfish industry this week. Yeah. I did a story on the show this week, actually uh, this week in Louisiana agriculture talking about, the importance and uh for people to get out and and eat some crawfish and i of course took did my part and took care of about 10 pounds myself but um i talked with a couple of farmers uh that you know just are are trying everything they can to move crawfish and uh i also talked to tony's seafood owner uh bill pizzolato and he was uh he was like man we're still buying as best we can we just have to have people eat it and one of the biggest things that's hitting the crawfish industry is the fact that crawfish boils are not happening and uh i hadn't really thought about it but i mean we can eat you know the four of us could eat 20 pounds if we wanted to 25 pounds but these big crawfish boils these company boils or whatever they're they're boiling 1500 2000 5000 pounds of crawfish and that when you lose that part of the market i mean they're taking a big hit so they're just trying to get people to eat it right now however i mean 3 or 4 pounds 10 20 pounds for a family whatever it is so that's kind of the gist of what my story was about. And it was, it was eye opening to me. Well, that's, that's part of this dynamic. I'm, I'm learning honestly along as we go more and more about the crawfish industry, but another piece of this, not just uh, direct payments to farmers that we're going to be looking at and likely working with Joe and our state uh, team on is there's going to be money coming to the state through SNAP. Uh, through WIC, through other commodity purchasing programs, food assistance programs. And so 
a lot of our public schools are still feeding kids the best way they know how and uh, a huge win potentially will be if we can get uh, these buys to include crawfish tails because while there's farm raised crawfish there's wild catch crawfish in the basin uh, if if crawfish is moving that we don't distinguish that's just uh, that's crawfish meat and that's moving and that's supply and that's going to help their price so that's what we're uh, another piece of this um, that we're looking to do if you're going to have all these crawfish being processed do you have the people to do the processing now we're starting to wonder about uh, labor where is our h2a h2b labor are some h2a going to be allowed to shift over to h2b that sort of thing what are you hearing out of washington when it comes to labor yeah so that was the big question um i guess before we knew that labor was going to be an issue everybody kind of stopped and hesitated and said okay is this going to disrupt our supply chain? Is this going to prohibit us from being able to do business as usual? And thankfully, uh, a lot of our rice guys are getting planted corn in the northeast part of the state and other uh, supply chain functions with seed, chemical, fertilize. Uh, all those things are rolling relatively smoothly. But the one issue that came about pretty quick was labor and getting uh, visas processed and working with consulates and other countries that have their own restrictions due to this virus. So uh, our one of our first initial asks, uh, Brian Bro took this to our delegation and uh, the, the agencies, Department of Labor and so forth, was trying to get some uh, relaxation of some rules and trying to get other consulates to work with us to expedite some of these processes because there's been a lot of investment, a lot of time, both on the farmer's end and the laborer's end to make this connection work for this growing season uh, or harvest season for crawfish sake or whatever it may be so uh, we're working to get those um, working to get those issues handled we didn't get everything we wanted done through this cares act uh, most namely the adverse effect wage rate uh, it's you know times are tough and to increase costs on labor now is not really the time to try and do that uh, we're seeing a lot of relaxation and those kind of expenses in other industries and and ag just wants to have a fair shake too to continue to supply the the food and fiber and shelter for the nation so that's what we're looking to do we've had some some successes so far some more agency rulings but uh legislatively we still got some things to to accomplish an old news director once told me that every story is a local story. And the reason why I bring that up is because right now, each of us are in sort of a different locality. Uh, I'm in southeast Baton Rouge, East Baton Rouge Parish. Andy, you're in Livingston Parish. Uh, Carl, you're in South Baton Rouge, correct? And, and Joe, you're in West Baton Rouge Parish. So Joe, I want to start with you. What is it like going around uh, at your grocery store? What is it like on, on the ground for, for you there? Yeah, it's very surreal. You know, uh, walking into the, to the store just a couple of days ago, I had two women, uh, you know, they were, we were both converging on the same and going in towards the door and they stopped talking, they saw me and it's kind of like, are we going to say hello to each other or not? Are we going to smile or not? 
And I said, how are y'all doing? And they just lit up. They go, oh my God, we're doing fine. How are you doing? I said, well, I feel like I'm in a movie. And they fell out laughing. They said, yeah, we do too. But it's, it's this, and I'm sure y'all are experiencing the same thing. Even though we know these people, I go to this Walmart probably four times a day, as much food as we eat over here. So we know the people at the door. We know the cashiers, okay? And even them, you'll, you'll want to say, hey, how you doing? And they don't even want to look, you know? And it's nothing personal, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it's this invisible force field that, uh, that seems to be around everybody. And then there's a certain amount of people walking around in the store, uh, probably 50, 60% of them that act like nothing's different. You know, they got their hands all over the buggies. They're playing with the kids. They're running up into groups of people. And so it's, it's, I know y'all are experiencing probably the same thing. It's, it's a little bit different here, I think, because we're a smaller community and more of a rural community. Uh, so we have probably fewer people. But I do know that I, I was going down the interstate yesterday and considered stopping at the Walmart on college and looked over in the parking lot. It was like it was Christmas. And I said, nope, West Baton Rouge, here I come. What about you, Andy? It's hard for me to say because I've been living in, on this patio that I'm speaking to you from today for the most part. Uh, my yard is pristine and everything. Uh, Kayla, my wife, says I'm cutting the grass every other day just for something to do. So we've been limiting our activity but uh she's she's had some family with some needs that we've uh, gone to see over in the hammond area and trying to limit you know contact outside of that as best we can but i know uh, they've had uh, an accident in their family that would cause the whole family to want to be in the hospital but you can't i mean uh, uh one of her cousins even his mom couldn't go in there to visit with him you know stuff like that that you want to talk about sacrifice and and doing things different than you normally do. It's one thing for me to uh, sunbathe on my back patio and cut my grass, but if you can't go see a loved one in the hospital, that's when things get scary. So it it, it impacts everybody different. For me, it's just uh, a lot of these video chats and conference calls rather than sitting in the office and, and typing on a computer to do it. But uh, for some people, it's certainly impacting them a lot more drastically than me. You're talking about people that can't go visit, you know, loved ones in the hospital. And that's something that I've heard Brittany talk about every day. It seems like every day she comes home from work and she works in the hospital. She's a nurse practitioner at Baton Rouge General. And she keeps telling me, she's like, it's just weird feeling walking around there. She's like, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's quiet because there's not people just everywhere. And she's like, it's just kind of, kind of, it feels bad because people there, you know, there are people that want to come and see family and, especially the kind of work that Brittany does. It's kind of, she does a lot of palliative care work, which is, uh, you know, patients that are kind of at the end of the road. And, you know, that's usually the, the rooms that are full of family. And uh, fortunately she hadn't had that many consults. I mean, some of, some of them are starting to become, you know, people with coronavirus or COVID-19 and, um, but even those are having to happen just like this via phone and FaceTime and, she said, usually the, those rooms are full of, you know, six, seven, 15, 20 family members that are all there at the bedside kind of thing. And that just is not, that's not happening now in the hospital. So it's, it's weird for me. What's been, uh, what life's been like is pretty much right here. I've been sitting in this chair. I've every now and then I'll move to the chair next to me to, to get a change of, uh, change of scenery, um, maybe to the, the countertop or a couple of times I've gone out to the, uh, carport. Um, I have gone to the office a couple of times for some video and, uh, 
some files I need from the office that are just too big to uh, download because I've been dealing with that rural rural uh, broadband in the middle of Baton Rouge. Uh, it's been just terrible, but it's been it's been weird, you know, just even driving down the road. I I went the other day just to wash my truck. Just I drove to, through the car wash, didn't touch anybody, talk to anybody, but it's just like I just want to get out. I'm getting stir crazy. I couldn't imagine, you know, I can't imagine. It's just weird not driving and not going and doing and seeing and interacting with people because that's what I mean. We're we're social beings, and uh, I mean this is kind of the highlight of my day so far. <laughs> so, anyways, that's just it's, that's kind of my perspective of what it's been like for the last few weeks. Well, I just I just had uh, uh, an experience that is kind of normal. Uh, Luke, my seven-year-old, just walked in while we were in the middle of this. I thought he was about to crash the party. Uh, but, you know, it's trying to trying to work and homeschool. And, uh, you know, at the same time, I've been, I was a little under the weather for a little while. And uh, finally over that, thank goodness. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's kind of the new normal. All I've been doing is uh, if I'm not working on my computer or doing radio reports, talking into this microphone, I've been going in the backyard and feeding the birds and watching the birds. You know, I'm trying to identify every single one we have out in the backyard. Uh, so far, I think I've identified most of them, but there are some little bitty wrens or warblers. I, I, I haven't been able to identify yet. They have a black face. Uh, so if there's any who's, you know, like a, a bird expert, expert, get in touch with me. I need to know what kind of bird this is. Uh, but I have some Bewix wrens, some cardinals. Carl's shaking his head. Come on, man. I, I, I love this thing. But anyway, that's, that's kind of what the, what's, what's been happening, you know, with, with my life. Uh, whenever I'm, I'm actually not working, I've been turning it into science for, for the boys. What's that, Joe? Oh, I wanted to say that I was talking with my good friend Tim Temple this morning. Y'all remember, probably he ran for insurance commissioner last year. Anyway, I asked him what his experience was like. And he says, Joe, he says, we're trying to, my wife and I are trying to wrap our, our, our arms around this uh, homeschooling. And uh, he said, you know, we were just, I was just telling somebody this morning at breakfast that if we do go, if we ever do go back into the legislature, somebody ought to put a bill in for a teacher's pay raise and nobody would vote against that bill now. Oh, no. Uh, my kids are already saying that their their old teachers were so much nicer. You don't want the ones that do it for a living? <laughs> Those guys, the professionals? Yeah. The professionals, they're so much nicer and effective. In fact, I had to give Luke his spelling test today and he missed two. So when there is previous teacher, he didn't miss a single one. It's probably the teacher. I think it's probably the teacher. Well, listen, I appreciate uh, y'all hanging around today. Uh, Joe Mapes, legislative specialist for the Louisiana Farm Bureau. Andy Brown, national affairs coordinator. Yeah, I just want to give a shout out to American Farm Bureau. They're uh, still farming campaign. It kind of goes, revolves around what we're, what we've all given our experiences. The farmer's experience. I've gotten plenty of calls of rice farmers planting and, you know, craw fishermen fishing. You know, the, it's, it's a real luxury in this country to, while we go to the store and can panic buy, uh, usually within about 24 hours, it's restocked and at the same reasonable price that it was the day before. So just shout out to all of our members and farmers out there. I know they don't do it for thanks and appreciation. Uh, it's a business and, and it's their living, but uh, they got to homeschool kids. They got to quarantine they got to do all these things and then they got to go out and uh, plant a crop or raise a, an animal and all that so it's uh it's strange times but it's 
it's business as usual on the farm. Uh, that it is. Thank you very much to our farmers and ranchers. And thanks, Andy, for, for bringing that up. And so, Joe, I'm going to let you end our Grassroots Government Episode 4 with the usual Joe Mapes catchphrase. If you're not at the table, you're on the menu.